evening and hope everything is going well with you guys. Hope you had a great Christmas and uh, a good uh, time, hopefully with uh, family and friends. And um, sorry we're behind on our videos. We had uh, some technical difficulties with our cameras and memories and so forth. And so uh, hopefully we're getting it fixed and need to get a couple more things, I think, to make it more reliable. So continue to pray for that if you would. And, um, you know, if you want to help support, um, you can you can do that as well. And, you know, there's you're able to give online at um, the website, ccwatsonville.com or bring it over to the you know church, mail it to the P.O. box. Uh, there's all sorts of electronic options, too. So if you want to be a part of that and help out, um, you can certainly do that. Uh, but uh, continue to pray that we can get this all squared away. All right, well, if you would open your Bibles to Ezra chapter 8 is where we find ourselves tonight. Ezra chapter 8. And before we get into to that, uh, I'd like to draw your attention to uh, the screen because we are trying to go through... Or, no, I shouldn't say that. Let me correct that. We are going to go through the New Testament in a year using uh, the Bible app, and there's uh, a plan within that Bible app called uh, uh, the Bible Project, or it just says Bible Project. And so um, if you want to be a part of that, I encourage you to do so. I, I sent it out via text to pretty much everybody's cell phone number that I had. So if you got it, um, and that's what it was. It was from me, and it was uh, something we've been talking about. If you don't have the Bible app, you have to download the app first, and then you can get into the plan that we have set up. It's through the New Testament in a year, and here is what the invitation looked like that I sent out, or will sound out. Now, if I don't have your cell phone, because um, it, it needs to be through an app. Now, obviously, you can do it through your iPad, and uh, if, if you need help on that somehow, if you don't have a smartphone, which uh, there's only one person in the world I know that doesn't have one. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's the text, what it looks like on the left-hand side there of the screen. Uh, is it a full screen right now? No. Why don't you make that full screen, Ethan? I don't know. So the left side is the, the invitation that went out, and it'll have my name on it, obviously, if I'm contacts with you. If I don't, put your, put your number. Uh, you can send it to us via Messenger on Facebook. Uh, you can email us through the uh, church website or through me. It's dylansmith at calvarychapel.com, um, dylansmith at calvarychapel.com, info at ccwatsonville. There's links on the website. Uh, if you want to send it to me through a message, and then I'll send you this link. And then on the right side is what it'll send you to in your app store. Now, this is from Apple, so Google's going to be a little bit different. But that's the app you have to download. And uh, you can see it there, and uh, it's the Holy Bible. And then if you go to the next slide, full screen, Ethan, on that too. So the next slide, once you download the Bible... Uh, you get the invitation, you download the Bible if you don't have it, and sorry, I'll, I'll put it up. Uh, here is uh, what it looks like. On the left-hand side, that's the screen that should come up, the Bible Project through New Testament. 
it says, you know, uh, New Testament in a year. It gives you the days. It gives you day one. We're going to start on January 1st of 365. Uh, it shows the participants. And then uh, it has a devotional. Uh, there's some, sometimes there's some nice videos that go along with it. Then there's the chapter you're to read. Now, they start out on January 1st talking about 2 Timothy 3.14, about the Word of God. Um, and so, but day two or January 2nd will be Matthew chapter 1, okay? So the first day, this Bible project uh, reading plan just gives you a little background on the importance of the Word of God, which is important to do. And then the third button you can see is talk it over. So if you, when you download the Bible app, you register, which means putting your, basically your phone number or your email address in there and putting your name on there, then you're able to share on uh, the app so that we'll all be able to see it. And I'd encourage you when you download the app that you allow all notifications because then you get the notifications to remind you of the daily reading, and then it will also give you notifications of when people post. Now, if you want to silence some of those at some point, you know, and it gets uh, too much, I, I'm not sure how it's going to be right now. Yeah, I'll let you navigate that, but I would allow the notifications. And then um, when you hit that talk it over button, all I ask is that uh, we're asking you is just to share what's relevant to the scripture we read today. So either it might be a question about it or something the Lord spoke to you about that scripture there. So we just don't want to go off on some tangent. Oh yeah, it relates to this thing that's happening or that thing. I, I, I you know, we want to keep it a kind of a narrow focus to it's relative and specific with what the passage was speaking or a question that's with that. So anyway, uh, hopefully that helps you all. We'll go over all that again Sunday, but um, uh, I, I, I hope that you would join us. It's a pretty manageable challenge. It's one chapter a day, which shouldn't take you too long. And there's a couple great videos and you can do the devotional too. And again, uh, the Bible project, um, I like their stuff. The other thing you can do is you can chain, you can, um, choose which version of the Bible that you want to read in. Um, so there's a number of choices there. Um, yeah, pretty much all of them, except for um, the NIV 84. They just have the new inter international uh, NIV by itself. The 84, if you like the NIV, like I like to read the NIV 84 edition personally for my own devotion. Um, but, um, you know, that one's there as well. So pretty much all of them. And you can switch around. If you don't like that one, try another one. Read one in one translation and uh, one and another. Um, and so anyway, it gives you that flexibility as well. Okay. Well, hopefully you'll join us and accept those invitations. I sent them out um, again this afternoon and hopefully nobody thought it was a bunch of spam. But um, if you want more and I do not have your cell phone or you're not sure, you could put it on Facebook or YouTube or, you know, email us, call, however you want to do it. All right. Well, Ezra chapter 8, let's go before the Lord and we'll, we'll start there. Father, we again, we do thank you tonight for this time that we get to spend in your word. And we ask that you would bless it and move through our hearts and through our midst, Lord, drawing us closer, giving us greater 
understanding and deeper insight to our Lord and Savior, Father, uh, and you as well. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so since it's been a few weeks since we've been in the book of Nehemiah, I'm sorry, the book of Ezra, (laughs) a little ahead of myself there, uh, we left off with uh, the return to the land, and I'll go over a couple of our slides. So again, the temple was destroyed at the top of the timeline there. You can see it in 586 AD, or BC, I'm sorry, 586 BC. Uh, God said that they, the land would be uh, empty for 70 years. Um, and I know that dates don't line up to 583. You can't subtract that from that. And that's because the earlier captivity happened. But the temple was destroyed in 86, 586 B.C. Um, and, and then uh, there was the declaration by Cyrus to go back into the land And they were allowed to rebuild the temple, which Zerubbabel and Joshua, or sometimes he's called Jeshua on your translation, was the high priest, and Zerubbabel was was the governor. And again, uh, they built the temple, then they were stopped for a while. They were discouraged. They pretty much laid the foundation. They built the altar of sacrifice first, and then they laid the foundation. Then there were some years of discouragement. They kind of gave up. And then finally, near the end of that first little gap there, the temple was finished. And then there was a 57-year gap between the temple being completed and Ezra now making his way back to Israel or to Jerusalem. And again, in the middle of that, um, chapter 6 and chapter 7 is where the book of Ezra takes place as you can see on this chart right here. And then we talked about um, Ezra um, getting permission last time we were in, in the book of Ezra, uh, getting permission to, to go back. And it was kind of a summary, and we were told the letter that was given to him by Artaxerxes, the prince or the king of Persia. And so we are also told that he was given permission to go back to the land, specifically really to teach the people the word of God. Uh, Ezra was a scribe, but think of him as just a great Bible teacher. In in our terms, he was just a a, a man who knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. And so he, uh, he knew that, and so his heart's desires, the Lord put it on his heart, and we'll see why God's moving in this way. He knew what, you know, what the Word of God said, which really just helps us to know the will of God and the heart of God. Um, you know, if you're always finding yourself, well, I don't know what I should do. I don't know what I should do. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, and you're, you're kind of constantly in that way. I, I would encourage you to spend more time reading the Bible. Get into the Word of God. Because you, you, you learn so much about things that he has given us great and wonderful insight on and explanation to. Or we'll see it as an example in other people's lives, the same situation or a very similar situation we're up to. Well, how did they do it? What did the Lord say about that? You know, it, again, he, 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 he was a guy that knew the word and the people needed to hear the word. So he's sending him back. Although, just so that we might know, um, you know, it's, it's been uh, 
you know, since, since Zerubbabel and Joshua left, since the time Ezra's going back, it's, you know, we're talking about 80 years, okay? Just so you have some sense of that. Ezra's returning much later than when the first group came back. And then um, we'll also see that they're heading from this one spot, Avila, as we'll see here in a little bit. I just wanted to give you an overview of the map of, you know, where, where they're heading from and where they're heading to, which is Jerusalem. And so that gives you some sense. And really, chapter 8 begins to retell what he summarized in chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Now we'll get the details. And the Bible does that constantly, and don't be confused by that. They'll give a summary of maybe the next big thing that's going on, the next five years, the next two years or something, and then the Lord will go back and give you the details. And that's kind of what happened there in verses 1 through 10 of Ezra, chapter 7, and now we're getting the details. And the first 14 verses are pretty much the leader's or the heads of the family groups that are going to return with Ezra. Now, here only the males are numbered, um, and only the names of the head of the family was mentioned. So, in your own family, who is the oldest living male? Your grandfather, let's say. Maybe you have a great-grandfather. Most of us don't get to meet our great-grandparents, but let's say it's your grandfather, and so, you know, his name would be mentioned, but, you know, between him and your grandmother, there's so many children, and then they have so many children, and then there's, you know, cousins and all that stuff, and aunts and uncles. And so you get the idea. So just the, the head uh, of that family line and um, would be listed there. And, uh, again, it's about 1,500 men, so we have to figure if you add women and children, that number is going to at least go up six or seven times, at least in my opinion here. Um, and finally, the last thing I, I want us to remember, is about, again, it's about 80 years after the first group left. So now that they've been in the land, however you want to arguably consider generations, but you know, roughly they've been a couple generations now have been in the land, arguably, um, you know, assuming around 40 being a generation, 40 years. But the Bible doesn't always make it 40 years. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But just for rough things, you know, there's been people born there and then their children have been born there at least, okay? So uh, uh, and when this takes place, so you have a sense of where we are. Now, verse 1 says, These are the heads of the fathers' houses, and, the and this is the genealogy of those who went up with me from Babylon in the reign of King Artaxerxes. And then he lists all those names and how many people are associated with that person, which I will just, you know, blast through those names, and those names are um, a little hard to pronounce on some of them. And so... Uh, God puts them in there because he wants, why does he put these long names and genealogies and these lists of names in there? Again, I always say this, it's because he knows your name. Remember that song? Maybe you don't remember. He knows my name. It's an old song. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. Anyway, you got the idea. <laughs> he knows your name. 
He knows who's doing what. And I like to think of it that way. He knows it. And he calls it out, and he's doing it there. And so it comes up to about 1,500 men, 1,496 if you want to be exactly accurate. Um, and so you can bet that there was probably six or th- 7,000 people going back, counting women and children and, and others. What does that say? That is quite a bit smaller than the first group that went back, which numbered closer to 50,000, which is even smaller compared to the amount of people that chose not to go back into the land and stay in Babylon. So uh, again, um, the question has to go back, why didn't more return? Why? Why didn't they brace this? There was probably arguably millions of Jews spread throughout the Babylonian Empire, uh, actually the Assyrian Empire, which was conquered by the Babylonian Empire, which was conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire. And so those Jews were spread out in that in those different empires, and arguably there had to be millions of them. And when these letters went out from the kings, whether it was Cyrus or Artaxerxes here, you know, it would go to every place pretty much the Jews would live. That, that, this, these letters would be sent out, so they, they would all hear. Whether they had been out of the land for 10 generations or three generations or, or whatever, whenever that happened, they all had an opportunity, and I believe that God made sure they all knew that, hey, you can go back and, you know, uh, go back home, go back to your land. But it comes down to the same thing that we deal with today. They deal with back then. What does a person really want to be committed to? Does the person want to be committed to what God's will and God's plan for their life is? Or does a person want to be committed to their own dreams and hopes and following what looks good to them and what sounds good and what they think will work out for the best? Um, Uh, Now, they're not mutually exclusive (laughs) because God does work in the heart and works in our heart as believers, for for sure, Uh, and puts desires in our hearts that match His will. He certainly does that. But there are so many things that can crop up and creep in or that have been there even before we became believers Um, you know, that we have our own kind of plan laid out. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. This is what makes me feel good. This is what seems good at the time. And the Lord's not even really a part of that. And, you know, I have people come up to me over the years, for many years. They'll say, oh, hey, uh, Pastor, can you please pray for this, that the Lord will bless my move to Idaho, Texas, Hawaii. Uh, Pray that the Lord will bless this uh, new job I'm getting. Uh, Pray that the Lord will bless um, this relationship that I'm in. And, you know, um, I have to step back and think, you know, is that really the right order? Because the right order is, Lord, is this something you want me to do? 
That, that's when the prayer should really be happening. Now, not that they shouldn't be continuing to happen, but the reality of it is, don't bless what I have planned. Seek what he has planned for you or for me. And the problem is, is people have these plans and then they'll go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I pray that you'd bless this. And, and, and I have sometimes I have a hard time with that. Not that I won't pray for them, but, you know, a, a lot of times I'll say, well, have you, did you pray even if this is what the Lord has for you? Is he or is she even a person you should be thinking about marriage to? Is that a place you should be even be moving to? Is he calling you there? Is it because houses are cheaper and you can get more for your money? Um, or, you know, you're getting out of the California craziness? Uh, uh, or, you know, this job is because you're going to get more money uh, and yet you haven't really... The, the order is you, you, you pray first and you... And, and and seek his will and, and then Lord, you know, continue to open those doors and bless this if this is your will, not I got my plans here, would you bless it? But unfortunately, you know, that's what's kind of happening here with these people here is that, you know, we're staying in Babylon. We want you to bless us here, Lord, uh, because we got good jobs. Uh, we've made a home. We've lived here for so long now. We're not sure what we're going back to if we go there and on and on and on. And, um, and yet, uh, I can't help but to think that it was God's plan that most of them go back. You know, I know there was some, probably some exceptions to that, and maybe even a few more exceptions than that. But again, the order is, Lord, okay, I have this desire to move out. Okay, is this you moving in me, or is this my plan, or is this my frustration because of the boss at work, or because I'm lonely, or because... I'm tired of, you know, the politics or whatever, you know, the list can go on and on. You know, what's the motivating factor behind uh, your decision? And asking the Lord to bless something that's your plan and your way and your will, well, even if somebody prays for it and asks the Lord, if, it, if it's not, well, quite frankly, you probably don't want him to bless it because you don't want to be out of his will. But... That's not the message we're <laughs> preaching right now as much as I've been going into that. But that was the decision these guys were making. I think it's better, it looks better if I just do this. Rather than, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Are you calling me to do this? That's the order. So you can read all their names if you'd like to there, but I'm going to jump down to verse 15, and it says, Now I gathered them by the river that flows to Avila, and we camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priests and found none of the sons of Levi there. So obviously the decree goes out that you can go back. There's a group going back. And here's the place that uh, you can, you know, and the date and the place for you to meet. The city, the place, and the, and the date. And so, you know, they're spending these three days as we'll see here in a little bit, doing a couple of things. Uh, they'll spend some time praying and fasting and getting everything organized for the journey. Um, so this three days accomplished a number of things and allowed you guys that like to be late to things to get there on time. <laughs> right? And um, 
uh, again. As this is happening now, people are starting to gather there, and I imagine there was people there early as well. Ezra notices something. You know, he's kind of walking around the people, and he's walking around the people, and he's walking around, he's walking around, or maybe, you know, he's writing down their names and their family groups because they're recorded here. Okay, who are you a part of? Okay, okay, okay. And, you know, because he, he was a guy that could read and write, so quite maybe he's just making lists. And, and then all of a sudden he noticing something. Wait a minute. Out of all the people that are here now, there isn't any Levites. What's going on here? Now, again, remember, Ezra was a priestly lineage, which means he was from the Levi, the Levi, from Levi of the Levitical tribe, right? But there was a difference. Remember, everybody that could serve or, or was called to serve in and around the temple in all the many positions that need to be done from singing to security to helping out with stuff to making sure things were in order and repairing things. You know, there's just a multitudes of things that had to happen. And um, they were all called, the ones that were called to be there were, were those that could trace their lineage back to a guy named Levi, who was one of the sons of Jacob. Way, way, way back when, uh, way, way, way back when. And so, and way back in Genesis. But, if you follow that line of Levi down, at some point you have Moses and Aaron, who, could, who are brothers, who could follow their line, lineage back to Levi. And God says, listen, now I'm going to bring you out of Egypt to the promised land like I told Abraham. You're going to, they're going to be down there for about 400 years, and then I'm going to bring them up. And when that took place, God was now going to have a place where they could worship and give them how to worship him and set everything up. And so he set apart out of that group of Levites eventually. There were some other bumps along the road that got him to the Levites. I'm not going into that. But Aaron was to be the priest and the priest had special duties compared to the other Levites. And so anybody that could now trace their lineage back, their great, 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 whatever grandfather back to Aaron was part of the priestly line. And then everybody else was kind of referred to as Levites. Even though they were all from Levi, there was the Levites and there was the priests, okay? So Ezra's looking around going, hey, where's the Levites? And again, um, they were important because they did most of the work. You know, again, the cleaning, the guarding, the music, keeping everything running, helping the priests because their numbers were a lot smaller. And Ezra sees that there wasn't any that were going back with him. Which brings us back to what we were just talking about here a little bit earlier. Why weren't the Levites willing to go? Now, now, again, a lot of them probably had settled in and been comfortable in what they were doing. And one of the roles and one of the things about being a Levite as well as a priest was, was that their support came from the gifts and the, alt, uh, and the offerings uh, that people gave to the Lord at the temple. And I imagine a lot of them are thinking, you know, how am I, at least here I have a job. I have a, a source of income here. I go back there and I am totally 
going to be at the whim of how people give. And uh, you have to be on that side of the church today to really appreciate that, to be at the whim of how people give. Um, you know, um, I, I've always worked full time, but I've been involved in churches where, you know, and, and even I've been when I was working on staff, I still continue to work. And there's a number of people that obviously were on full time staff or paid staff. And, you know, you see the ups and the downs and, you, you know, these guys, you know, are they going to get paid this month? Well, the church property needs to be paid for. These things need to happen. And, you know, we'll take a salary cut this month. We'll get your, you know, anyway, um, you know, happens today, still happens today. Uh, you know, uh, how are how are we going to be supported? And they were to be supported by what the people were supposed to do, what God called them to do, which would bless them and bless the Levites, because then they would be there able to help out, and the priests would be there when they wanted to go uh, offer to the Lord and worship the Lord or be there for the holy days. They want everything all set up and ready to go, but sadly, a lot of people don't want to support it. It's like they want a nice church to go to. They want it to be clean. They want it to be a nice building. They want the seats comfortable. They want toilet paper in the bathroom. They want the bathrooms clean. They want the front of the place to look nice. And so do everybody, that, but, but somebody's got to do it or pay for it, right? And, um, y- you know, um, these guys, I think, arguably, you know, it was difficult to them. They, they had to leave what was seen for what was unseen. And they had everything they needed, you know, in Babylon. And now, you know, going to Jerusalem where they had never been and never seen by this time, there was nobody alive of the Levites that had been to Jerusalem, had seen it. And they have to go to a place they've never seen and never been. And not only that, it's a hard journey through the desert. And it, we'll find out in a little bit without protection through unfamiliar territory lasting four months and that's just the journey and then when you get there you're not even sure what you what you got so you know you can kind of understand a little bit their hesitation but on the other side of that you know this is really the 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 pilgrim of the christian life you you know we have to trust the lord he's called us to trust him and and step out in faith um, and yes, you leave the scene for what is unseen in so many areas. Okay, Lord, if, if I, you know, do this, then, you know, uh, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I know you're calling me, but I'm leaving the unseen, the scene for the unseen, but that's how life is. Uh, you know, and that's, that's faith put into action. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. When you read about the hall of faith in these people, that, that's what it's all about. That, that's the call on the Christian life. And, and yes, there's a lot of insurities in so many things. And, uh, y- you know, it, it is scary. I, you know, I remember moving up here with Annabelle, not knowing a soul, coming to Watsonville. Watsonville, what? And, you know, how's it going to work out? And, and uh, uh, the rent uh, for a place up here was... Uh, uh, two and a half times, a little over two times what we were paying, two and a half times what we were paying where we left. And I wasn't going to make two and a half times more money. And, uh, and uh, you know, we had 
times when the PG&E was shut off or the water was shut off or we didn't have time. I, I remember, um, you know, it, it was a lot. And, um, and, and then you're up here, all this. It's, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's, it's what builds our faith. It's what the Lord's called us to. And, um, you know, it would be difficult. And you seemingly leave, you know, the bird in the hand for the two in the bush kind of, although that analogy breaks down pretty quick. But, you know, that's what God was calling them to do. And that's where faith comes in. And that's the pilgrimage of the Christian life. You're going to have to make those decisions at times. Some of them not as big, and other times they're going to be a lot bigger. Well, Lord, I know you're just calling me not to be with that person. And I have so much invested in them, but I am going to trust in you and, and, and do what you've called me to do. Or, you know, I, I really want to go over there and do this and have that and I kind of have it all planned out and I've invested so much time into, you know, buying a new place in Idaho or Texas or Oklahoma or wherever. And, uh, you know, but I know you're not calling me that, you know, are we going to, okay, keep going because we have so much invested in it or are we going to, follow the Lord's calling. And, and, and that's just a few examples. But um, these guys weren't willing to do that. But verse 16 tells us, I sent for Eleazar, Ariel, Shemiah, uh, El-Nathan, uh, Jerob, uh, El-Nathan, uh, Nathan, Zechariah, uh, Meshua, leaders, also for uh, Joaribib, uh, uh, and El-Nathan, uh, El-Nathan, El-Nathan, sorry, I can say that. Men of understanding. So these guys sent for, you know, for these guys, and, and the three of these guys were kind of, uh, or, or two of those guys just, you know, had insight. You know, they were spiritually, they were spiritual men. And I gave uh, them a commandment for Idu, the chief man of the, palate, uh, the place, Casphia, and told them what they should say to Idu and his brethren, Nethanim, uh, Nethanim, I'm sorry, at the place of Caspia. Now, in a minute, um, I'll show you the slide. This is a city that's pretty close to where they're leaving from. Uh, so he's, he's, he's getting these guys, especially these two guys that have spiritual understanding, told them what to this city, go to Idu, who is really the chief father of these Levites, that they should bring us servants for the house of God. Verse 18, Then, by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us men of understanding, the sons of Mahlai, uh, uh, sons of Levi, the sons of Israel, namely, uh, Sher, I'm sorry, with his sons and brothers, 18 men, and Hashabib and Jesh. Aiah, the sons of Mariah, his brother and his sons, 20 men, also Nethanim, whom David and the leaders had appointed for the service of the Levites, 220 Nethanim, all of them were designated by name. So they don't show up originally. Ezra says, we're going to need these guys. So he calls on some fathers that were respected, some older men, a couple other spiritual guys that he knew were connected, sent them over to 
uh, the, the town where a lot of these Levites uh, had settled in and were living and basically says, hey, listen, you know, God's calling you guys to go back here. He wants to go back. You're an integral part of the service of God. And yes, it's a great step of faith, but we're making it. So come along with us. And there were people that answered the call. They were willing to step out in faith and see what God will do. Okay, I know this is a huge step of faith. I know there's tons of insurity behind this. But that's just really on my end. God's sure. <laughs> He's got a plan. Uh, he'll never leave us or forsake us. And all those Bible verses, you know, come rushing back. And those things that we heard, the teachings and all that. You know what? Yeah, I'm unsure. I'm not sure, but I know who is and I know who I'm following. And these guys were willing to take a step of faith to see what God would do. And again, I think we have to step back and ask ourselves the same thing. How about us? Are we willing to make the marriage work? Are we willing to stay faithful in the job? Are we willing to trust the Lord through this difficult situation? Um, are we willing to do the same? And again, this is the one place where our faith is lived out in our lives. This is where, it, you know, you can say you're a believer and you should say you're a believer and you should say you're a Christian and, and you should do all that and we should talk about it and that's all important, but faith also has to have action. And so they respond to this and, you know, uh, it's lived out here and here's, uh, 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 you know, the situation we're willing to do that. Okay. And these 220, Nehemiah and are just, they're Levites. It's another temple servants. Okay. Another name. We're willing to answer the call plus all their family, right? Along with them. So they were willing to do that and step out and live out their faith and here's another uh, place where they get to uh, have an opportunity to live out their faith, and that's in verse 21. And then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Avila that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed, now note this, I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road. Because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those who for good seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. So again, Ezra here um, you know, uh, uh, it, he, he uh, had spoken with the king. Uh, these guys are meeting here, right? They're meeting here, and now they're praying and fasting because Ezra had spoken with the king, and he had been telling him how powerful and how in control and how almighty God is, how wonderful God is, and, uh, you know, and, you know, uh, telling him about the Lord. And then it seems like in the conversation, the king says, okay, uh, how many soldiers do you want me to go with to, to, to take with you? Because I, I realize, you know, uh, you, you're going to be taking a lot of valuable stuff and there's a lot of, 
you know, trouble could happen, the four-month journey, thieves, uh, evil people, all kinds of stuff. How many soldiers do you want, you want to take with you to keep you safe? Because that's the way you would travel. And Ezra felt hypocritical asking for sol- protection from soldiers uh, from threats on this long trip. You know, he'd been talking how great God was and how wonderful and how powerful and how faithful he is to those that serve him faithfully and those that are opposed to him. Well, they're going to experience his wrath. And, and so, uh, you know what? I, I, I need to live out my faith in this situation here. Again, another opportunity to live out the faith. Uh, uh, here, uh, I've been talking about how faithful the Lord is and how He can do everything, and so I got to sh- show them that in this area as well. And again, you guys, it's so important. The Lord wants us to live out what we preach, what we tell others. He wants us to live it out. If we're going to talk about the Bible and the Lord and Jesus and what He's done, then we got to live it out as well. And that's exactly what Ezra felt like it needed to be done in this case. Um, you know, we speak about how he, what he's done for us, how he's delivered us, how he protects us, how he leads us, how he loves us, all those things. And then the Lord wants us to demonstrate this to others as well. Not just talk about it, which we should, but we need to demonstrate it. I mean, how do you think I feel at times preparing for these messages, right? I mean, I got to read through all this stuff first, right? You know, when you start thinking, wow, this is hitting home and this is hitting home, this is hitting home. It did that to me (laughs) for about three times as long as I'm speaking to you (laughs) or more, you know, on and on it goes, right? So uh, again, but he's talking to us. And again, you know, we speak about it and then we got to demonstrate it and live it out. It's just kind of like for us, you know, today for our church here, you know, just like what we're doing. You know, we had this COVID and there was a place with a property that ended right when COVID came up. And, you know, we're thankful for that because there's no way we would have been able to afford those payments. But, you know, Lord, is there a new property you're calling us to? We need to take a step out in faith. In this area, what's available? What do you want us to do? Uh, you know, seeking the Lord, and now He wants us to demonstrate those things again. Um, just an example for what what you know what's going on as a church as a whole here. And, and so again, you know, living out the faith. He had the the opportunity, the Levites to step out in faith here. Okay, we'll go. Um, yeah, we'll see what the Lord wants to do. And again, here now as a whole group, they get to you know be this great witness to all the soldiers and, and Artaxerxes and all the people in the palace that heard that and all the people that know them. Hey, you know what? We feel like stepping, you know, we're stepping out of faith and trusting the Lord. Uh, we're, we're doing it. And the Lord wants us to live in faith and demonstrate our faith. Of course, the whole book of James is nothing but that. Um, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk, as has been said. Now, for a moment, I want to change gears because a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I remember a few fun Sundays ago, I promised that we would talk about this uh, in Luke chapter, uh, well, there was a city I was talking about um, where the Levites were. But a couple of weeks ago, um, I was talking about this as we were going through the Gospel of Luke, 
And Jesus was being, you know, just about ready to be arrested. And then he said this in verse 36. But he said to them, But now he who has a money bag, let him bring it. And likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy a sword. Uh, and buy one. And remember, um, I, I said, well, you know, how, how does that work out? What's Jesus telling him here? Um, should, you know, uh, and, and maybe to put it more in our terms today, let's just say this way, although there's so many more illustrations, but let's just stick with this one for time's sake. You know, should you have a gun at home? Um, you know, should a person, you know, keep a gun? Should they not keep a gun? Um, Ezra here, if I could just apply that in the situation, he's praying and fasting uh, for a safe journey. Why? Well, because it's not like, um, like when we as a family go to visit our family in Southern California, you know, we don't expect to be threatened or robbed or killed along the route for our animals or out of maliciousness and everything stolen. Um, uh, you know, at all. Uh, it's not like that. This was a four-month journey through a number of areas, and they would be carrying what we would say is today is millions of dollars. Now, Ezra felt like it was a great testimony, as I said, to do this. But, okay, how does that compare with to what Jesus is saying here? What does that mean for us? Here, he's, here he was telling, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing, and you can review that in Luke if you missed it. Go back and listen to it or watch it. But, you know, uh, things are changing. And before, I was having you go out one way. But now there's another way that you're, you're going to be sent out in ministry. Things are going to change. And so back to our question here. Let's just say about this. Should a Christian have a gun to defend himself and their loved ones in their homes? Or should they trust in the Lord to protect them and watch over their loved ones? I'm just using that single example, but there, this can be used in many other examples. Which one is right? Well, Ezra certainly here is one saying that I don't need any of that. We're going to trust the Lord because He's powerful and mighty, and I don't have to depend on that. So is that the right way? Well, let's quickly look at another example from this guy named Nehemiah, who we'll talk about in the next book who is going to be on the scene in about 14 years. He's already on the scene, but he'll be in Jerusalem in about 14 years. Now look what happens to him here in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 2 when he's ready to go back to Jerusalem. And let's read it together. It says, And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Uh, you know, the letters and the recommendations that he can go back. That's what he's talking about. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now note this. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. So here, in this case, Nehemiah goes back with a whole detachment of soldiers. I mean, not just soldiers walking and foot soldiers, but soldiers on horseback, which were very expensive and very uh, highly skilled and, and all that. Ezra goes with nobody. Nehemiah goes with a whole detachment of soldiers. Both are going on the same trip, taking the same 
route. Both are carrying what we'd say millions of dollars worth of valuables with them. Which one was right? And I, I just point out here, there are two perspectives, two things. Which one's right? Well, in this case, what's the Lord saying to you? Um, some people think, you know what? I just trust the Lord. I, I don't need to have this weapon here. And, you know, I, I know he's going to take care of me. And others think, no, I, I think it's a, it's a prudent thing. It's a smart thing to have something there to take care of me. You know, I, I think it's a good idea. And uh, which one's right? Well, which one should you do? Again, you have to be led by the Lord. Ezra felt one way, Nehemiah felt another way. Neither one of them is wrong. There was room for both ways. There was room for both ways. And I just want to point that out because some people have a perspective on certain things in the Christian walk. I'm not talking about essentials and salvation and the Bible and what that teaches clearly. Not at all. But there's other things that don't, and there's room for that. And if you have an opinion and you feel the Lord's leading you one way, great and fine and wonderful. But what a person should never do is say, just because that's the way I feel, you should feel the same way too, buddy. <laughs> right? You, you need to have room. And of course, there's many cases in the New Testament. I could think of many, but like 2 Corinthians and talks about that and there's a number of other places uh, you know where it talks about it you know just give room for other the way other people uh, you know walk with the Lord and trust the Lord in, in those areas again not the essential areas not in salvation not what the Bible clearly says but in an area like we just discussed and you just because you feel strongly one side or the other uh, you know that's That's between you and the Lord, not between, you know, it's not something that you demand everybody else just because you feel that way. Um, you know, I could say that about, you know, Christmas. It just happened. Some people, you know, well, it was a pagan holiday. It started out as being a pagan holiday. Yep, you're right. 100%. Got it. But you know what? I, I think it's a great witness. I think there's great blessings. There's great things associated with that. It's a great starting point to talk to people. Some people feel that way. Okay, whichever way you feel, great. You just serve the Lord and trust the Lord and do it in that way. And, and But don't start pulling everybody, no, you should, no, you should, no, you should, right? It's one of those things. Uh, there's room in Scripture for these things. And you should know and be convinced in your own heart what God said to you. And I'm not talking about wrongful things or sinful things. Don't misunderstand me. You know, there's some things that you know aren't right. Well, I guess it's up to me. No, I'm not talking about that. But in cases like this, right? And uh, that's that's another thing we should know. So I, I did promise that I would say that on Sunday and bring that. And so that's what I wanted to bring. And when we go in Nehemiah chapter 2, I'll remind us again of that because I think it's an important concept. But let me summarize to where we've been so far, you know, this this what we've done so far, how it pictures a Christian life. You know, the Lord has called us out, and now the Lord demonstrates His power in our lives uh, as they're, they're moving out here in faith. And, and now we're going to see how the Lord gives and precious talents and gifts and abilities, okay? So let's read verse 24. 
Now, I separated 12 of the leaders of the priests uh, and uh, Shirabab, uh, Hashabab, and their 10 brethren with them and weighed out the silver and the gold and the articles, uh, the offerings of the house of God, which the king and his counselors and the princes and all Israel who presented had offered. And we talked about that in chapter 7. I weighed out in their hands 650 talents of silver, silver articles weighing 100 talents, and 100 talents of gold. So we're talking tons of precious metals here, okay? 25 uh, gold basins worth 1,000 drachma, two vessels of fine polished bronze as precious as gold. And I said to them, um, so now here it is, tons of gold and tons of silver and these other um, precious items that were given uh, that were very valuable. And then he, he has them all there. And he says uh, to the people, or the, to these 12 guys particularly, and I said to them, you are holy to the Lord. The articles are holy also. The silver and the gold are free will offerings to the Lord God of our fathers. Watch and keep them until you weigh them before the leaders of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the fathers' houses in Israel and Jerusalem in the chambers of the house of God. So the priests and the Levites received the silver and the gold and the articles by weight to bring them to Jerusalem to the house of God. So it was a lot of weight. It wouldn't, you know, to spread out the weight, to spread out, you know, uh, the, all that over a number of people. Uh, and so each was given an amount. He recorded, okay, you're given this many pounds of this and this vessel was all recorded. And then you're going to, Make sure nothing happens to it. Your, 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 your godly men take care of it, and it's going to be counted out when you get back. It's been entrusted to you. You're responsible. And, uh, you know, make sure you take your responsibility and you're entrusted to seriously. And they were given it to in the beginning of the journey, and then they have to give it count when they finished their journey to what was entrusted to them. Now, some of you, the wheels are already spinning. You were giving something precious at the beginning of the journey. It was entrusted to you. And at the end of the journey, you're going to have to give account for what you, you know, what you were given <laughs> at the beginning of the journey. And I can't help but to see, you know, that's us in the Christian walk as well. And again, a question we have to ask ourselves is, is how are we doing with what has been entrusted to us? What has the Lord given us? You know, how do we use the gifts and the talents and the resources the Lord has given to us? Uh, you know, Jesus spoke a number of parables about this, and we've gone over them, a number of them in the, the book of Luke. And of course, the New Testament talks about it, and the Old Testament as well here. But being faithful, what's been given to us, it's so important. What are we doing with what's been given and what's been entrusted to us? Uh, you, you know, you've been given gifts and talents. You know, you, you can do these things. You're good with that. You can uh, handle that well. You can talk to people freely. You make friends easy. You've been given gifts 
you know, uh, of, of praying, uh, you know, it's so easy for you to pray for people or to talk to people about Jesus. And, you know, the gifts go on and on. And there's a series online about the gifts of the Spirit and, and, and all that uh, there. You know, how, how about the resources that have been given to us? Uh, again, Christmas just passed. You know, do you find yourself more like Ebenezer? Or, or, or are you more like... Um, Cratchit, I'm trying to remember the name, right? Of Dickens' Christmas Carol, right? Ebenezer, just needed to have a little bit more, just needed to have, how much do you need to have in your bank before you're going to start giving some of that out? How much do you have to make sure that you're going to be okay before you, you know, you start cutting loose with some of that? Um, you, you know, uh, you know, you've been given time now. When are you going to cut loose with that Instead of working on your, your own pet projects and your own, you know, hobbies and all that, how much time and effort and energy are you going to keep for yourself, you know, doing these things? When are you going to cut loose with what's been given to you and trusted to you? Kind of the sad thing is the older you get, the more you get in that rut. And as somebody said, the difference between a rut and a grave is the depth and the width, Right? It's just, you've been doing it for so long that you kind of get stuck into it and you need to be careful. The older we get, the more we're like that. And if you're older, you know what I'm talking about. And, and you know, how long are you going to be holding on to that and, and doing that and thinking of yourself in whatever situation with resources of finances and of time and of energy and what you have left? And then when we're called to account, now don't misunderstand me, there's, no exclusion from hell if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and, and you and you're belong to His, uh, belong to Him, and you're a child of God and, and, and that. But there is a judgment seat for, um, of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.10 talks about where gifts are going to be uh, handed out based on you know, our faithfulness in these areas. That's something we're going to want to have, not a million bucks in the bank down here that's just going to go to... The state of California, the federal government, and, you know, some people, and they'll blow it, you know? Anyway, it's important. So, um, again, you've been given something at the beginning of the journey. You're going to be held accountable at the end of a journey. What did you do with what's entrusted to you? And then verse 31 says this, And we then we departed from the, the river of Avila on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambush along the road. And so even though there was great concern, and, argue, and certainly there was good reason to be, they reached the promised land safely. And yes, Ezra, I, you know, I know your heart was uh, to show the king that you're... Uh, that who I am, and you were walking in faith, and you, you know, you know that was your step of faith to show that, and I am, I'm answering that prayer, and the Lord has our backs on that. When you step out in faith, the Lord has our backs. You know, He honors that, and you know that it's the Lord's promise to us as well today too. When we take those steps of faith, He will see our lives completed. Uh, see in our lives completed what he has started. You know, we can never go wrong trusting him. 
And let me just remind you a couple of verses, you know, of that. In Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, we could be confident of this. He began this good work. We're taking this step of faith. We're trusting you here, Lord. I'm obeying you here. I'm not just doing my own thing. I'm not going here. I'm not holding on to this. I want to be, you know, using the gifts and talents and resources you give me. And, and, you know, I'm a little worried. I'm taking a step out. Well, let's be confident. You know, he's going to bring the work to completion. He's going to make sure things go the way they should. He's going to see our lives complete as we continue to step out and trust him. And then Jude 24, uh, the same thing. Ethan and I were talking about this the other night. And it says, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. So again, how wonderful it is here. And again, there's so many more precious promises that we have that when we do these things, just like the prayer was answered For Ezra and all the people, Lord, watch over, take us. I know this is the direction you're leading me and what you want us to do and how you want us to be a witness in this area. And so the Lord's always going to take care of his. Now, I'm not saying everything's going to go perfect all the time and it's always going to, you're always going to see the results instantly like that. But certainly we'll never lose stepping out in faith. And he will see us through as those verses remind us, and so many more. And so they get safely to Jerusalem, and let's finish this up, verse 32. And so we came to Jerusalem and stayed three days, and now on the fourth day, the silver and the gold and the articles were weighed in the house of our God by the hand of Maranoth, the son of Uriah the priest. And uh, with him was Eleazar, the son of Phinehas, uh, and with them numbered the Levites, Jehozabad, the son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, the son of Ben-Uai, and the number of, I'm sorry, with the number and the weight of everything, all the weight was written down at the time. And of course, nothing was lost, nothing was missing, nothing was wasted or left somewhere. There it is. And again, brought to completion And then verse 34, And the children of those who had been carried away captive, who had come from the captivity, offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel, twelve bulls for all Israel, ninety-six rams, seventy-seven lambs, and twelve male goats as a sin offering. And this was a burnt offering to the Lord. And they delivered the king's orders to the king's satraps and governors in the region beyond the river. And so they gave support to the people, and the house of God. So they get there, they were safe, here's everything that was entrusted to us, and then they just have this great celebration, being back in the land, even though none of these people had ever seen it before. And maybe on some of them, a generation or two had even gone by since other people had left. And They're they're celebrating what the Lord had done. And when we step out in faith, you know what? No matter what it looks like or what happens, we're going to be celebrating. We're going to rejoice in what God does because that's the life he's called us to live and to demonstrate and not just to talk about, but to, to live out. 
and, and there's always great celebration uh, when we see God's work working through lowly little us uh, when we take steps of faith. You know, even if they're small little ones, um, that's what he's called us to do. So we're always going to be blessed in that. Amen? Well, we'll pick it up next time in verse chapter 9, I should say. Father, we do thank you, and we do ask that you would just continue to help be, for us to be those that step out in faith. Lord, and trust you, even though it's unseen, we're leaving the scene for unseen, and it is scary, and it is, you know, it's, it's, it's unknown, but you're known, and we know you, and we know your reputation, and we've seen you work, and hopefully as we mature in you, we've experienced it time and time again that you've never let us down, and you've never failed us. And so help us to always remember that when you call us to step out in faith, Lord. And Lord, you know, help us to use and to be faithful to what's entrusted to us as well, Lord. You've given us much, Lord, and you want us to use that. And, and, and you want it to be a witness to people. And help us to be that as well, Father. And, and Lord, you know, when, when, when there's different, differing ways of when you're stepping out and doing this and the calling, and, and Lord, you know, help us to have the grace for you know, a brother or a sister that does things a little bit different, Father. It's not all about us and what we think and what you have called us or showed us, Lord. Uh, there's room for them as well. And we want to have that grace as your people as well, Father. So help us to do that. For we ask this in Jesus' name.